Welcome to, Thanks 2023, on Echoes of Holiness Radio where we are dedicating this week to say, thank you, to those who have walked before us, and thank you to all who help keep holiness echoing across the world right here on Echoes of Holiness Radio. Welcome to, Thanks 2023, we will have some free gifts so stay tuned. Some comments of, thanks, and testimonies scattered throughout the week. The Barbecue Man will be joining us on Tuesday as we auction off some of the finest barbecue sauce available. Write down this email address and be prepared to bid. EOHR at echoesofholiness.org. All donations for the barbecue sauce will go to keeping holiness echoing strong right here on Echoes of Holiness Radio. Sister Tolliver that took time out to bring me here. I also appreciate very much Brother Dan Roberts that God used him as an instrument for me to be here on this trip here in the United States. My name is Marta Betty. Betty is my surname. I know it's unusual. Many people has that name as a first name, but that's my last name. I was born in Panama, as the pastor says, and that's where I grew up. But from a very young age, I always felt this urge to come here to the United States and live. From maybe six, seven years old, I wanted to come here, and I used to tell my parents that I wanted to come and live here. I knew I had an aunt that was living here. She came and lived in New York City before I was even born. But I was born and raised in a very strong, starch Roman Catholic home where we were taught to worship idols, say prayers to them, burn candle to them, go out on the streets in procession and take these idols out. And that's what I was taught to say the rosary and to many times lift up what we will call the name of the Virgin Mary. And when I became a teenager, I remember my parents sat me down and they said to me, we're thinking about sending you to the United States because you've been always talking about you want to go, you want to go, so we're going to go ahead and process the papers if that's what you want. And I remember my dad says, but you have to make up your mind. You either go on a vacation and come back, or you go and just stay there for good. So I didn't have to make up my mind. I just says, well, I'll go and stay for good. So he went and processed the papers, and he got in touch with his sister. That's the aunt that I knew that was living here. And she uh, yielded to be my legal guardian. And the papers were processed. It took some months, almost a year, for me to get my... Uh, permanent residence to live here in the United States. And when I came up, I finished my last two years of high school. This was in Brooklyn, New York, New York City. And then I went on to college and I was studying nursing. But when I came here and I was living with my aunt, like about the first week or so, I felt like I overstayed my welcome. I just felt uncomfortable and there was many things that went on that really traumatized my life. I did not feel love at all. And I remember moving out of my aunt's house when I was 21 years old. For those that can remember, back in those days, you were really an adult at 21. And I remember when I turned 21, that particular year, it was the law was passed that from January the 1st of that following year, everybody who's 18 is a legal adult. Well, I moved out, and I was struggling and working part-time and studying full-time 
to be a nurse, to be honest with you, I wasn't sure really what I wanted to be. All I knew that when I was a little girl and adults would ask me, what you want to be? And because I heard the other kids would say they want to be a teacher or a doctor or a nurse or a psychologist, I would say different things different times because I really didn't know what I wanted to be. But when I came and lived here, even in high school, I had a part-time job as a nurse's aide. And I figured, well, I could handle that, so I figured nursing was for me. But when I moved out and I had to work part-time, study full-time, things got very difficult for me. And when I finished my third year of nursing school, I needed one more year to complete the four-year program. I says, well, I'll drop out for a while, I'll get myself together financially, and see if I can work things out. But as I did that, doors were closed on me. But in the middle of all that, I became very depressed. And I started taking social drinks, I started partying a lot on weekends, and my drinks were usually cocktails, and I knew even how to prepare it at home. I knew what a dikery was, a screwdriver, Bloody Mary, mar margarita. I knew it all. I knew what had to have a cherry in it or olive or a little piece of lemon or orange on the glass. I knew how to do it. And when I dropped out, I got a full-time job as a bank teller. And I was working right in mid-Manhattan near Radio City Music Hall. And many times after work, me and some of my coworkers will go out for what they'll call happy hour. And happy hour is just that one hour that the drinks are half price and you get free peanuts or cashew or whatever it is that they serve. But in the meanwhile, I had a void in my life. I had such a strong depression. I was so sad. I'll get up in the morning, as soon as I get up, I'll regret that I didn't die during the night. I thought about many times taking my life because to me, life didn't have any meaning. I was so empty within. By then, I wasn't even going to the Catholic Church anymore. I was so faithful going even during the week to the masses. But I saw such an indifference here with the Catholics, so I kind of just backslid myself. But I was looking for something that could satisfy. And I remember many times even just cutting my wrist, but I just didn't dare because I remember they taught us in the Catholic Church that if you kill yourself, you go express to hell, no stop in purgatory. So I figured there'll be no masses or type of prayers that will get me out of hell. So I didn't. But one particular day, like many that I'll walk down the streets of New York City with tears in my eyes, just crying, not wanting to go home, didn't have really a route where I was going, not knowing what my life was going to be. I walked into a secular bookstore, and the lady that was behind the counter, I said to her, do you have any Bibles? And she says, no, we don't sell Bibles here, but just the same, let me go in the back and check in the deposit room to see if I have any. And as she was walking to the back to go in that room where she's going to check to see if they had Bibles, I said to her, if you have any Spanish Bibles, I will appreciate that better. And a few minutes, she came back out with a Bible in her hand, and she said to me, I found this one Spanish Bible, and I purchased that Bible. It was a book that we were taught in the Catholic Church never to read. They told us that if you read the Bible, you'll go crazy. It was only for the Catholic priests or the Protestant ministers. And I took that Bible home, and all I knew about the Bible that was divided into two parts, New Testament, Old Testament. And the New Testament I knew in the Gospels, it spoke about the life of Jesus Christ. So I started reading. I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'll start reading again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I will be on the subways 
going to work, and I'll be reading. Coming back, going to, I'll be reading the Bible. When I get up in the morning, I'll have it right there at my night table. I'll read it. Before I went to bed, I'll read it. Every now and then, I will read Psalms and Proverbs. And one day, I decided to read in the book of Acts and just to go on to see what else it says. And as I read the book of Acts, that really impacted me because what I saw was mortal men like myself were used by the power of the Holy Spirit, doing miracles just as Jesus did. And I went on reading the rest of the Bible. And of course, I understood enough to realize that whatever it is that I was looking for in life and that void that I had that got bigger and bigger every day and my depression got worse and worse every day somehow in my heart I knew what I was looking for the answer was found in the word of God but it was like I said my depression was so strong many times I didn't feel like combing my hair I didn't feel like taking a shower I didn't feel like getting out of bed. I didn't feel like going to work. I just didn't feel like living. My life was just empty. And I used to think, how am I going to even get to be 40 or 50 years old? Like my parents' age at that time, I thought that. And I says, there's no answer to life. It was one particular Sunday morning. I was in bed, not willing to get up, not willing to comb my hair, not willing to eat, nothing. I just wanted to die and, and get out of that frustration. I cried out to God. I remember I had my Bible and I says, God, I know that you exist, but please help me to find you. You know, God honored that prayer. It was about two weeks after that particular prayer. I was coming home from work from the job that I had as a bank teller. It was about six o'clock in the evening. I was putting my keys in my apartment. And as I was getting ready to rush to my bedroom to throw myself on the bed and just burst out crying like I many times have done, the telephone rang. And when I picked up the telephone, I heard a voice of a young woman that mentioned my name, and she said, Marta? And I says, this is she speaking. And this is the word she told me. She says, God gave me your name and your telephone number. At the time, I did not understand what she meant by that. And I'm here to remind you, that God knows our name, our telephone number, social security. He knows the past, the present, the future. God is not a God that doesn't know anything. He's omniscient. And for you parents that are interceding for your children, how much more that you are crying out to God for those loved ones to be saved. Sometimes I wonder who prayed for me, for me to be saved. And yet God had mercy on me. As this particular young lady started bringing up a conversation to talk to me, I noticed that she had an accent, and I said to her, where are you from? And she told me, Panama. And then I got excited about it, and I said, I am also from Panama. God did not reveal that part to her. And after we talked a little bit, she says, well, I'm going to invite you to my home. So in a few days, I went over to where she lived. She was only living like maybe a mile away. And as I went one evening after work to have uh, dinner with her, I met her husband, was also a Christian, and her three children that she had at the time. She had two more children before the Lord took her home. She had a terrible car accident, and she died at 37. And she started evangelizing me, and I remember she took out her photo album, and it was photos of when she wasn't saved, and there she evangelized me. She started quoting scripture verse, and even though she was not saying that this was found in John or Luke or, or Matthew or Acts, or whatever book of the Bible, but yet I knew that 
it was in the Bible and in my heart as I listened to her evangelize me using pictures and then she took out another photo album and these photos were photos of when now she and her family were saved and how the change that God did in her life and just I looking at those pictures I saw the change and listening to her in my heart I says whatever this lady have I want it so they said we will take you back to your house to see where you live to your apartment because Sunday morning will be come at such and such a time in the morning to pick you up to take you to our church and I says yes I'll be ready by this time it didn't matter I was going to what we call a Protestant church it was a matter of I wanted to see what she had so I was ready when she came with her family I got in the car I got in this church it was a big church a Spanish church about 500 members and I remember I was sitting almost in the back about the fourth row to the back and as the preacher got up and preached, and I didn't understand too much what he was saying. He was talking a lot of deep theology things, but I did understand at the end when he says, if there's anyone here that's looking for peace and joy, happiness, is anyone here that is tired of being depressed and sad, come forward and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I didn't care that 500 people was in that church. All I knew that I wanted to try Jesus and to see if he satisfied so I got out of my seat and I came forward and I remember it was about six other souls perhaps that came forward that day and as I cried before the Lord and I said the sinner's prayer as I repeated after the preacher and the others that were there too that particular morning my tears were black they were blue they were different colors of all the makeup that I had on my face and the high shadow and the mascara and someone touched me and gave me a tissue and I remember that when I got out from the altar from my knees and I was going back to my seat oh brothers and sisters I felt like a thousand pounds had left me I felt such a change in my life and my heart I felt really what took place that the depression was gone but you know in my human heart I was so concerned and I was saying I hope this good feeling does not leave me because you see the world will offer you a good feeling but it's only temporal it's only superficial it's not deep it's not permanent and then on the contrary what really happened is that you fall even lower and you feel worse when you get out of it and I was concerned about that I'll be honest and I remember when the service was over that particular lady, my spiritual mother as I'll call her, she was introducing me to different ones in the church and she introduced me to two other Panamanian families that were assistant to there. And even though I was greeting them, I was saying, I feel good. I feel free. I got home that afternoon and I went to a particular closet that I had all my liquor, whether it was gin, vodka, scotch whiskey, rum, Champagne, wine, you name it. I drank it all except beer. And I dump it out in the kitchen sink. And the whole apartment, the smell of liquor, that it gave me nausea to know that I was drinking something that to me was so terrible just by the scent. And I got rid of it. The following morning, it was Monday, I went to work. I'm going back to work as a bank teller. And as I was coming into my job, to go to the vault, to get my money, to get my tray, to set up my window as a bank teller. One of my co-workers that always had her window beside me in the bank, her name was Barbara. When she saw me come in, she says, Marta, what kind of a weekend you had? You see, because worldly people, they talk about what kind of weekend they have. 
and talk about all the things that they did that was wrong and it was abomination unto the Lord. So perhaps Barbara was trying, expecting to see that I would say that I went to a party or I did this or I did that. But it was something that she saw in me. And she says, you look different. What kind of a weekend you had? And I said to her, yesterday morning, I went to a church. And all I knew, I went forward and I prayed. And they prayed for me. And I, and I feel different. That was my expression. And Barbara said to me, Marta, you got saved. And she was disappointed. Then I found out she was a backslidden Baptist. And she knew what had happened to me. And I said to her, I feel safe. I feel free. She just lost a happy hour drinking, buddy. But as I kept on walking with the Lord, I had the opportunity to be baptized in water. And that particular afternoon, when I got out of the baptismal water, I was still, I was still in that particular tank. I started praising God and understanding God baptized me with the Holy Ghost and gave me a, a prayer language and I started speaking in tongues for the first time and as the weeks went by and a few months went by after that I felt a call and a tugging in my heart that I should be laid aside with the Lord to spend time with him so I went to my spiritual mother and I asked her to help me to explain all this about fasting and praying how my name was revealed to her was that she was shut in with God for four days and four nights fasting and praying and one of the things that God revealed to her was just simply my name and my seven digit telephone number he still speak he's a God that will speak if we just lay aside and take time to listen to him and as I felt the calling of God I felt that he he wanted to tell me something there was a long weekend coming up so I knew I had three days off from the bank and as she explained to me how to fast and pray and to get a hold of God I said to her uh, I'm not going to be at church Sunday I'm going to shut in with the Lord is that okay and pray for me and I shut in with God in my apartment that particular long weekend that I had and right before I broke that fast God spoke to me in that still small voice that many times he still speak to each and every one of his children if we only lay aside the cares of this life and the noises of this world and the, and the running and the going and, and we can't hear sometimes the voice of God because we're so busy but I remember he spoke to my heart it wasn't an audible voice and he said to me my child I want you to go back to the land of your birth to preach my gospel but first, you must get ready. And I understood that when the Lord told me I must get ready, it was to go to a Bible school. Well, my first impression was, Lord, me? I hesitated. I had excuses like Moses. And I says, Lord, not me. I'm so shy and timid. I have so many complexes. I feel so insecure. Not me, Lord. You must be mistaken. But as I went on speaking to the Lord, I yielded. And I says, okay, Lord, I will go if you go along with me. And as I was looking into a Bible school in the state of Texas, God led me to a Bible school in the state of Maine. I was trying to get away from the cold weather and God put me up in the North Pole. There, I studied three years in that Bible school. I graduated, six months later, I was on my way back to Panama. I'd already sold everything I had in my apartment, gave up my job to live by faith. And I went back to the land of my birth 
as in Central America, back to parents that were still Roman Catholics, not knowing what to do, how to get started, after some 15 years living in this country. I can say on this morning, and I have a word from the Lord for you, because God has been faithful. God started opening up doors as I preached to one church, another door was open, and from church to church, God opened door throughout the whole Republic of Panama, whereas the pastor was saying, I've been out to other countries preaching the gospel, Central and South America, into Dominican Republic, into Puerto Rico. I've smuggled Bibles on four occasions into communist Cuba, all because I says, here I am, Lord, I will go. Has he led me to go? And every time I went in, I never had a time that the customer officer will open my luggage and I knew it was illegal they told us all the requirements for going to Cuba you cannot take any type of uh, religious literature and yet God supplied for me to go and each time he did wonders I've been over to Africa on two occasions Nigeria to holiness convention into Spain taking the word of God were so needed in Spain they're very strong Roman Catholic and to different places where the Lord has led me all through his grace. I've helped out a lot with the holiness work over in Panama. And lately, in the last three years or so, I've been really working steadily with Brother Don Rich and interpreting for him in the different churches that he has planted over there among the Choco Indians. And in many occasions, too, I've interpreted for Brother Neil Bridges that also uh, work with the Kuna Indians in Panama. But I thank the Lord that I could be here with you on this morning. And I just want to praise God for this accomplishment of this new church, this building. And when I walked in here early this morning, I says, what a beautiful temple. And I says, if something like this I could just fold up and put in my luggage and take it to Panama and plant it on any lot, this will have been the most beautiful church in my country. It's a gorgeous church you have. I pray that you appreciate it and thank the Lord for what he has given to you. Did you come here to receive a word from the Lord? Amen. Just the half? Did you come here to receive a word from the Lord? Amen. Well, I trust that you have your Bibles. Please turn with me to the book of Genesis. Chapter 18. That's the book of Genesis, chapter 18. And I'll be reading verses 1 and 2. And this is what the word of the Lord says. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Manri, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the, of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself towards the ground. Let us bow our head and let us pray. Gracious Emily, Father, we come before your throne one more time, Lord, and we just want to thank you and praise you for everything that's been done so far in this particular service. Father, we pray that you will touch each heart and that not a soul will leave the way they came in. Father, that you know the needs of your people, and I put myself in your hands one more time, in the name of Jesus, that I might be used as an instrument of you. The praise and the glory and the honor is yours, in Jesus' name, amen. God's message and title on this morning is when God visits your tent. When we study the book of Genesis, 
we can find first of all that the word Genesis means beginning. Genesis is the beginning of all things. The author of this book is credited unto Moses. It's the first book of the, Pente of the, Pentecon, uh, the Pentateuch, I'm sorry, and it's the first book of the Bible. It's the first that we see a lot of things that takes place, and unfortunately we see also sin takes place in this book. But here we find a man by the name of Abraham, and his name means father of multitudes. And many of us know him as the father of fate, and also he has been called as a friend of God. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7, it says, Art not thou our God who did drive the rest of the habitations of the land before thy people Israel and gave it out to your seed Abraham, thy friend forever? So we know that Abraham is a friend of God. And, and what a privilege to know that a man can be called a friend of God. But also this is confirmed in James chapter 2, verse 23. And it says that the scripture was fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God, and it was inputted unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. He was a man of prayer. He was a man that touched God. He was a man that would build an altar unto the Lord in whatever occasion there was. And because of this uh, consecration unto God, that God called him out from the land that he was from, called him, called him out from the land of the earth, from the land of Babylon, really the land of Iraq right now, and told him about this city he was building, the land of Cana, which has been converted into the land of Israel because of the seed of Abraham. The Bible tells us that God visited him. And God would visit you if you have a relation with God. We're talking about when God visits your tent. Oh, we need a visitation from God. And God is more willing to visit us than sometimes we're willing to tell him, welcome in. The Bible tells us in this particular chapter that God appeared unto him in the plains of Manri. God approached Abraham and he came along with two angels. Many theologians would say that this in Christology, this is an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And we know that the Lord came to Abraham with his two angels as Abraham sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. In the heat of your day, God will visit you. When the battle is very strong, God will come just in time. There was a song that was written years ago about he may not come when you want him, but he'll come right on time. God is a God that will come on time. He will visit you if you only open the door. How we need a visitation from the Lord. And as the pastor was saying right before he introduced me to the pulpit, we need for God to visit us. But I'm here to tell you that when God visits you, something happens. I said, something will happen when God visits you. But if you keep your door shut, you never hear the, 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 the doorbell ring. You never hear the knocking at the door. He wouldn't come in. He's a gentleman. He's not going to push down the door. He wants you to open it. And he's still standing at the door. And he's still knocking. It's there in the book of Revelation, the book of the church of the Laodicean. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hear my voice, he will open unto me and I'll come in and I'll suck with him and he with me. He still wants to visit his people. It only depends on you and me to open the door and receive that visitation from God. 
It was in the heat of the day. Abraham sat at the door of his tent. Perhaps he was waiting for something. Perhaps he, 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 he assumed something and he saw the Lord coming. The Bible tells us in verse 2 that he lift up his eyes. And how oh, we need to lift up our eyes today. Hallelujah. I shall lift up my, my, my eyes unto the hills from where cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made it heaven and earth. We need to lift up our eyes and, and see the Lord on this morning. It also tells us in the book of Hebrews that we should be looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our fate. But many times people are lifting up their eyes on other things, things that they shouldn't be looking at. They're lifting up their eyes and that's why they cannot see. And, and Abraham lift up his eyes, the Bible says. And he saw that the Lord was approaching these three men coming in the heat of the day. And he says that he stood by him. The Lord stood by Abraham. And the Lord will stand by you. If you open up, he wants to visit you. And you know, as I sometimes come back here to this country, and I says, oh Lord, it seems like in this country that I got the gospel, it will seems like today, this country, United States of America, it needs of missionaries. For people to preach to them. For them to go back to the whole path. To the, the path of prayer. Like the pastor would say. The path of seeking God. Staying up all night. Or early in the morning. Taking time out to study your Bible for hours. Need to go back. Seems things so comfortable. Things are so nice. You have it all. But you need God to visit you. We're talking about when God visits your tent. I says, we're talking about when God visits your tent. You see, the routine will stop. The ritual will stop. The religious ornaments will stop. You will get a touch of God and things will never be the same. Are you still here? Don't you sleep on me. I'm not going to be too long this morning. And the Bible tells us that as they stood by him, he saw them. And many times God will stand at your side, but you can't even see him. And you can't even feel him. And he wants to touch you if you only... Reach in to him. He will do a work in your heart. Are you satisfied with your spiritual condition? Are you, are you feeling good just the way you are? Or do you long for something more? You long for another touch. You long for revival in your, in your tent. When God visits this tent, the temple where the Holy Ghost lives, things will change. And he will reveal things to you that you will never know. When God visits your tent... He'll visit your home and he'll visit the church where you congregate. Are you still here? It starts as an individual thing and it will start and it will be like a fire and it will get a hold of others. Then souls will come in and get saved. The, 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 the altars will not be barren anymore. People will come in from the north, the south, the east and the west. They will come in when God visit your tent. In this country... They don't see too much of salvation going on. But in Latin America, people get saved and you don't even have to preach a salvation message. You just say, come and receive Jesus and they come. People are hungry for God. Here, people, you have to almost beg them to come to the altar. And like sometimes I says, you probably have to take out some money and offer everybody to come to the altar a $10 bill. Maybe that way they'll come. Because people don't see their need. They've heard the gospel over and over again. And then the gospel's been so watered down. The gospel's so sugar-coated. The gospel's been so changed today that people don't see the need. 
But God wants to visit your tent. I don't know about you, but the blessing I got yesterday, I'm not satisfied. The one I got at the camp meeting in Bristol where I was, I'm not satisfied. Even at Blanchard camp meeting where I had the opportunity to preach, I'm not satisfied. I want something today from the Lord. I want to know that when I leave here, I leave here different to where I came in. We're talking about when God visits your tent. He wants to visit you. Whether you're older, younger, or just a little child, if you're listening, he wants to visit your tent. And the Bible tells us that when Abraham saw, saw them coming, the Bible said that this man ran. And when God visits your tent, everything gets busy. He started running. This is an old man. If he had any pains, all the pains in his body was gone. If he had any aches, everything was gone. Abraham started running. And when God comes to visit you, you will move. If you've been procrastinating on anything, you will move. I says you've been holding back anything, you're going to run, you're going to move. When he visits you, if you allow him to visit you. Many times he stands next to you, but some people just close the door and make believe they don't see him. Are you still here? Many people don't want to be uncomfortable under comfort zone. They like it just the way it is. The thermostat is set in an ideal temperature for me to feel at ease. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible tells us that Abraham ran and he met them from the tent door. And not only that he ran, the Bible tells us, but the Bible also tells us that he bowed down and he made reverence to the Lord. How many times people will come to church and don't even make reverence to the Lord? Are you still here? They forgot they're in God's house. And when you come to the house of the Lord, it's not so important to greet the others. Greet the Lord. Find a place to pray. Open your Bible. Bow your head. Bend your knees if you can't. Talk to the Lord after church. You can talk to everybody you want to talk to. Are you still listening to me? It will make a difference that you pray even before. And even before you leave your house. The Bible tells us that Abraham bowed down. And he worshipped God and realized that he was in the presence of God. And how many times the presence of God is in this place. And sometimes people don't even realize that there's no reverence. And I sometimes don't understand how some wants to hear from heaven. But yet they won't turn off their cellular phone. Which is from here, from earth. If you want to hear from heaven, you got to turn off earth. So you can hear from the voice of God. We're talking about when God visits your tent. If you have to leave it outside in the vehicle, do that. If you have to leave it at home, do that. But when you come to the house of God, it's for him to visit you and to make reverence before him. The Bible comes on to tell us that. And he says, my Lord, my Lord, is it now that you found favor in in thy sight? Hallelujah. Pass. Don't pass me by. Have you ever told the Lord, Lord, don't pass me by? I think there was a whole hymn, if I remember it. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While others are calling, please do not pass me by. I don't remember it too good. There's no one that can touch you like Jesus. There's no one like him, hallelujah. Yet many times the Lord is passing and he will pass you by if you're not aware of it. And Abraham says, if I found favor in your sight, there's nothing like having favor before God. Many people try to build up and have favor before men. But you see, when you have favor before God, he will give you favor even before your enemies. He will make a way for you to open doors that seems impossible. God will do it. 
He wants us to believe in him and live by faith, not depend on what we can depend on in the natural, but in everything that we do to put him first and make reverence. The Bible goes on to tell us that this is what Abraham said unto the Lord. He says, don't pass me by, Lord. I pray thee that I am thy servant. Can you say that you're the servant of God? Can you say that you serve the Lord with all your heart? All he's looking for is a full surrender. He's not going to become... He's not going to be pleased with 99%. He wants 100% from us. That we give it all to him. And then he will give it all to us. Are you still here? Are you still here? Don't forget the title of God's message. When God visit your tent. And the Bible says that now Abraham is running. And he went and he says, well, let me get some water for you, I pray. And let me wash your feet. Now here is man washing the feet of God and these angels. And we read in the book of John in chapter 13 that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. But here in Genesis, Abraham, the friend of God, washed the feet of God. He's opening up for hospitality to the Lord that visited him. And our hearts should be clean, pleasing away, cleaning away for us to open up to give him hospitality in our tent. I don't know about you, but there was a time my tent was empty and full of gloom. Now that I know the truth and the light has come to me, I want my tent to always be filled with the presence of God. And here Abraham ran and he got water and he washed the feet of the Lord. Hallelujah. As God visited his tent. And the Bible goes on to tell us that. And they, they rested. And he had them sit under the tree. And I kind of feel that when I read this, this is like telling the Lord, Lord, sit in my comfort chair. Sit over here in this particular couch. This is the most comfortable couch in the living room. Lord, come over here. This, this place is cozy for you to sit and rest. It was under a tree. Abraham gave the best of the Lord. Are you giving the best of the Lord? That's all he wants from you. When God visits your tent. I says, when God visits your tent. He wants to visit you today. You're not here just on a social event. You're not here because it's just another special day of service dedicating this church and, and having this type of meeting. We're here because we want God to visit us. We're not satisfied until he touches us the way we need to be touched. And the Bible tells us also that he says he felt a morsel of bread and he, he wanted the Lord to be comfortable in his heart. And he says, because you have come to visit your servant. Oh, when God comes to visit his servants. We want to give our best unto him, beloved. But you have to feel the need. And the Bible tells us that he said to the Lord, oh, thank you, Jesus. As he hastened and he went. Now, not only that Abraham starts running, because when something happens, especially to the head of the house, then the head of the house is very important because the head of the house, which is the father in the house, the husband in the house, he is the priest of the home. He started running. He started being uh, hasty and doing what he was doing. Others will be too. And he went to his wife, Sarah. And, and, and he went to her and he says, make quickly. Make quickly three, three measures of meal, three measures of bread. Here it is, Sarah, an older lady also. Didn't have her child yet, but yet she was old. And she started quickly doing what she supposed to do because the Lord was there. And when God is in some place, hallelujah, people will do things quickly. Sometimes you have to wind people up for them to praise the Lord. Wind them up for them to be Sunday school teachers. Wind them up for them to do this and do that. But when God visits you, hallelujah, you'll do it quickly. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible tells us that 
as Sarah also went quickly to serve God. Now Abraham ran and he got a tender calf and he told to one of his young men's servants to prepare the, 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 this calf, to make haste. Now everybody in the house is running. Abraham is running, Sarah's running, and one of the servants is running because God visit their tent. I don't know about you, but I want God to visit my tent. Every man, in fact, he can just move in and live there. I don't want him ever to leave. It doesn't matter. I have to be busy in the ministry. And sometimes it can be so tiresome. But I want God to visit my tent. And in this particular trip that I have to be traveling with everything that I have. And I'm here one or two days and here three or four days. It doesn't matter. I want God to be with me. That's all that is important. And it will make a difference in every situation in your life. If God visit your tent. Are you still here? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Can you say praise the Lord? And the Bible goes on to say, and now he took butter and milk, hallelujah, and the calf, and, and he dressed it, and, and he put it before the Lord, and, and, and he stood by them as the Lord sat and eat. Imagine God visiting you and coming into your living room, and he sits and he eats the meat that you prepare and season for him. I want that in my life. I don't want anything else. I, I don't care if I never meet a president or a queen or a king in this world. I want God in my life. And I, even though I had an opportunity to, to speak to one of the presidents in my country, that wasn't important. What's important is that God will visit my tent. Thank you. I want more of the Lord. I want to know that when I go to church, I, I leave different to when I came in. I want to know that when I come in the house of God, that God will speak to me through a song, a testimony, the preaching of his word, that I would go out different and always seeking God. I, I want to make heaven my home because it's not by simply saying I'm a member of a particular church or I do this, I do that or my grandparents were the founding members of that church. No, that's not important. And I admire sometimes the type of of Christian heritage that most of you have and I, as I listened that, that your ancestors were Christians and holiness people and served God with all their heart and here you are you inherit that you never knew what the world was I, I admire that but then sometimes I look at some and it seems so indifference it's just a ritual it's just another well here I am you know where else can I be it's like you're not in love oh God I want to be in love with him every day I asked him to help me to love him more and more. He's been everything to me. I'm talking about a Jesus that satisfies. And he will visit you. And the Bible tells us that Abraham. Abraham did all this. And, and he was before the Lord. And, and the Lord reminded him that he was going to visit Sarah. And he asked for Sarah. And, 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 and Abraham says, well, Sarah is back there. And he says, in due time, in the appointed time of season, Sarah's going to have a child. And Sarah was behind the door of the tent, and she heard what the Lord says, and Sarah laughed. Sarah didn't have any fate. To her, too much time had passed by. This is all forgotten and gone. I'm an old woman. I passed through menopause. My next step is to go to the cemetery, and I'm going to have a child. She doubted God. You know, many times years might pass by and sometimes even decades. But if you keep trusting God, he will bring it to pass. I says, if you trust the Lord, he will bring it to pass. He's not a man that she should lie. Not a son of man to, 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 to lie. God will bring it to pass. But people don't have faith. Some have more faith in their credit cards, debit cards, their salary. Are you still here? 
Don't you sleep on me. I'm coming in. I know what I'm saying. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But no faith in God. And Sarah laughed. She, she couldn't believe it. And she didn't realize that God was there eating at her in her dining room. And yet she laughed. Just the fact that God took time to visit her tent. And to remind her and her husband that they was going to have a child. She doubted. And there's a lot of people with doubt. And God would bring in a preacher from over here and another preacher from another state and another preacher from Canada and another preacher from South America, another preacher from Africa, and yet you'll doubt. Are you still here? And he's trying to remind you, I'm going to do it in my time, in due time. When I appoint the time, I will bring it to pass. And for you that are praying for your loved ones, don't you ever doubt it. Sometimes I hear people say words like they're doubting. So why are you praying? My mother got saved. Eight years before she passed away, I took care of her. She became a, a human vegetable and a human skeleton, but she gave her heart to the Lord in time. My daddy's 89 years old. He's not saved. He's still a strong Catholic. But you know what? He will be saved. My only brother that now lives in New York City that never wanted to go to the States. Now I'm back in Panama. He's living here in the United States. He claims to be an atheist. He's one year older than me. But you know what? He also is going to get saved. Because I know God is doing a work in his heart. I won't give up in praying. I'm not going to give up in fasting. Because God has visited my tent. I know who the Lord is. I know what God can do. In a mind and a heart. Of a soul that is sick and lost. And as, and as Sarah laughed. And, and she thought it was impossible. The Lord says why did Sarah laugh? Now God is visiting this family. And Sarah is laughing. And many times God is moving in the sanctuary and the Holy Ghost is moving and people are running the aisles and people are getting blessed and get baptized. And there's always a few giggling and chatting in the back, chewing gum, going every minute to the bathroom and not even paying attention. The Holy Ghost is moving. You might as well say amen because it's the truth. They go to services in a camp meeting day after day and they get nothing out of the services because their mind is somewhere else. And yet they make noises in the dorms and make noises in the campground and yet they don't get anything out of the service. And God is visiting you and yet Sarah was doubting. And she laughed and the Lord says, why did Sarah laugh? And now Sarah starts lying and she says, I didn't laugh because you see when you're convicted and people are carnal, they'll laugh and they'll, they'll lie. And I said, no, and it's not with me. And the preacher would preach and make an altar call and says, I know you're up there. Go. They said, no, I'll make it right in my home, in privacy where nobody sees me. But you got to move when the Holy Ghost moves because the Holy Ghost is not going to move on you in your home. It's not the same. You might never get home leaving the church. And I'm not trying to threaten anyone. I'm just trying to preach the truth of the word of God. Sarah laughed. And she said, no, I didn't laugh. And God asked her question. The Spirit of God will ask a question on this day. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for God to do? God can do anything. If you only trust Him. I could give you testimony after testimony of how God has met my needs. Just trust in Him. I always say sometimes to people... I'm on the payroll, payroll of the Lord. I work for his big business. I'm just one of his employees doing what I'm supposed to do. Are you still here? And God has met every need. He's faithful. And I have some other things on my list. But in due time, his time, he will meet those needs. Sarah laughed and she said, no, I didn't laugh. And God reminded that, that she was going to have a child. When God visits your tent, he come to bless you. When God visits your tent, he come to 
fulfill his word that he prophesied years ago. When God visits your tent, something is going to change in your home. Are you still here? I'm, I'm trying to close in. The Bible continued to say that as God was to leave with his angels, he, he thought about it. He says, should I not share what I'm here for with Abraham? God thought about it. You know what? I came here for a purpose. Should I tell Abraham in so many words, my friend, this one has been faithful to me? And when you've been faithful to the Lord, God will reveal things to you that he won't reveal to others that are not faithful to him as they should. Are you still here? And God mentioned to him what he was about to do because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah has come before him because of their wickedness and their abomination. And as the angels went on to do what they were supposed to do in Sodom and Gomorrah, God revealed to Abraham that he was going to destroy those cities. Now remember that Abraham had a nephew or a brother. Many times mentioned in the Bible, his name was Lot. And he took his tent over to Sodom. There with his wife and his two children. And now Abraham realized God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm not too sure about my nephew Lot. He was kind of half and half anyway. He was in and out. He was up and down. He was hot and he was cold. Are you still here? Like some church people sometimes. Oh, they're all on fire when there's revival services. They're all on fire at a camp meeting. They're all on fire maybe just on Sunday morning. Oh, but the other times they're down. And Abraham wasn't too sure about Lot. So Abraham started interceding. And when you're not too sure, start to pray. When you're in doubt, pray. And when you're not in doubt, keep praying. No wonder Paul said to the Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. In every minute, every day, you're driving your car, pray. If you're at your job and somehow you can pray. Right before you answer the phone, say a word of prayer. And the doorbell ring and you can't see who it is outside, say a prayer. Pray. Abraham started praying. And he says, Lord, if they be 50 righteous, and you know the story. Are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? And God says, no, for the love of, the, of those 50 righteous, I'm not going to destroy them. This all have to do with the visitation of God. When God visits your tent, things start happening. The prayer meeting will start. Something is going to happen. He will confirm what he wanted with your loved one. And he also let you know what he's about to do. So you can be ready. Abraham interceded. And that's what God is looking for today. Men and women that can intercede and pray down the fire. And as Abraham prayed and says, Lord, what if there's just five less from the 50? In other words, 45. You're going to still destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And God reaffirmed to him, no, I won't do it for those righteous. If they're there. If they're there. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And then he continued interceding. Did he give up? He says, Lord... What if there's just 30 righteous? And the Lord says, no, for those 30 sakes, or should say 40. He says, no, for the 30, no, I wouldn't destroy it, said the Lord. For 20, no, I would not do it, say God, if there's only 20 righteous, for the love of those 20 righteous. And then Abraham says, Lord, I'm going to just speak one more time. God, if there's just be 10 righteous, are you going to still destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And God says, no, for the love of those 10, if they're there, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. What we can see in the life of Abraham, he was a man of obedience. He left his home in the land of Ur. He left his loved ones. Unfortunately, Lot tagged along with him, and that should have been a no-no too. In Genesis 12:4, we find that. 
But then also we find that Abraham, and listen to me, fathers, tomorrow is Father's Day. He was not a man that was selfish. Because when he was going to separate himself from his nephew Lot, the Bible tells us in, in Genesis 13:9 that he had Lot to choose first. He says, look, this whole land is before us. You choose first. Wherever you go, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. There's enough land for all of us, but you choose first. And as the head of the home, he had his nephew to choose first. We also find that this man was brave. He, was, he, was, he had a lot of courage. This man came and defeated these kings that were thieves, that came against Lot and the other kings also. And he got 318 of his servants to fight this battle, and God gave him the victory. And as the head of the house, you have to be brave. You have to be courteous. You have to depend on God. Not on your strength that God be with you. And even though the situation might seem impossible, God will give you the victory. I'm closing in. We find also in Abraham, he was a man that gave his tithes unto the work of the Lord. We find that in Genesis 14, 20, that he gave his tithes unto the high priest Melchizedek, who was a high priest of the Lord. He gave his 10% unto God. Are you giving your 10%? And that's just the beginning. That's just the bottom line. Because the Lord mentioned in Malachi, tithes and offering. You start out with 10%. And then from there, you give the offering. And the offering shouldn't be skimpy either. Because I really believe that God will bless you even more so with that free will, voluntary offering unto his work. Thank you, Jesus. We find that also Abraham was a man that was honest. He was not full of corruption. He was a man that refused to take any gift for the service that he did as he fought those kings. The kings wanted to give him a, a gift. And he says, no, I don't need any gift. He did it all because he loved the Lord. And when you do things, don't expect from others to say, oh, you did a good job. Oh, thank you very much. Just do it unto the Lord. God will recompense you. He will use anyone in any way. He will recompense you. And even that desire of your heart, he will give it unto you. That will be your recompense. And we find it also, Abraham was a man, hallelujah, of prayer. And as I mentioned how he interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah, he interceded that God will not destroy them if there were righteous people there. And God heard his cry because there was not even 10 in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God had to destroy those wicked cities. And we find that this man was a great man of fate. He was a man that he took his son to sacrifice him unto the Lord. Knowing that the Lord was going to provide. And in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17. I'm closing in by faith. The Bible says Abraham. When he was tired and offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises. Offered up his early. His only begotten son. Unto the Lord. God is still looking for those. That will realize that when he visit the tent. Your tent. He will bless you. Don't you want a visitation from the Lord? Don't you want God to visit you this morning? Do you want to leave the way you came in? Last night, blessing is past. We need something today. Tomorrow is not reassured for any of us. And yet God is still calling those that will surrender their all unto the Lord. You know what? There are a lot of preachers here this morning. Some that have never preached their first message. Some that have just started out. There's a few missionaries here this morning. Are you listening to me? There's some that are going to cross the borders of the United States to go to some other country, I don't know where, to share this good news and to share this sound gospel of holiness. 
Are you still here? While others of the charismatic church are coming down through the lands with their garbage truck, not to pick up the garbage, but to let go the garbage and contaminate in all these countries as their grandparents came and they suffered missionaries to plant the word of God like it is with holiness. Now there's a lot, there's in holiness churches, they don't want to move. And when you get there, it might be too late. The work might be just double. Are you still here? I don't know if I'm coming in. I don't know if I'm making myself clear. But God is looking for those that will sacrifice and the plan is that you have for your life to put it aside because God wants you to do a work for Him that is very different. It's so comfortable to stay at home. It's so comfortable to be close to mom and daddy. But to make a change and to go overseas and do something for God, it will really take someone that surrender their all to the Lord. There's so much work to be done. The fields are white and ready to be harvested. Here in the United States, people are just callous hearing the word of God. But when you go overseas, the people that haven't heard the word of God, or they just heard it a little bit and things has not been clear to them, they'll just come to the Jesus that you are preaching about. God is still making a call today, and he wants to visit your tent. Whatever talent you have, whatever gift you have, whatever trade you have, you can use it to be a blessing unto others. It's not just being a preacher. It's been whatever God has called you to do, to make a cabinet. There's so much ugly pulpits overseas, broken down pulpits, and you can just find wood and make them a nice, beautiful pulpit. There's so many different things you can do. And yet God is calling, and he wants to visit you. And you'll be blessed and changed like never before. Your life will never be the same. Don't think about the money. I don't have the money. Don't think about what about my wife and my kids. God will take care of that. He is the one that gave it to you. He gave you your wife and your kids and your home. He gave you everything that you have. If he's asking you to make a sacrifice, today's the day to yield and have him visit your tent. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I preach your word on this morning. Thank you once again for this open door. I pray, God, that you will bless the pastor, the angel of this church every member from the oldest to the youngest everyone that's visiting from another church god that i've heard the sound of this message father i pray that you'll touch each one that you've been dealing with for years to be that servant that handmaiden you'll have them to be father help your people this day that sometimes you will come in and visit and change our plans because you are god just help every heart to be yielded and tender to do what you've called them to do Help us this day, Lord, and visit each and every tent the way you would like to visit those that are not filled with the Holy Ghost, that they might be filled. Every sick body might be healed. Every pain and everything that's in the bodies right now, every organ that's not working right, Father, you're a healer. And I bind and rebuke every sickness in everybody here this morning. And Father, I loose your healing power. Your word says that by Jesus' stripes we are healed, and I believe it, Lord. Touch your people. Touch every marriage, God. There's such a, a, a battle against the marriages. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will touch the marriages here. So any conflicts, that they'll always renew their family altar. And pray and read your word in your presence, God. Touch the children. Touch these young people that are here. They're just coming up. Their minds are and get married and maybe a particular career or whatever it is their plans are. God, you're able to change the plans of these young people. And make them what you will have them to be. Bless this church in a mighty way, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Before I turn the service back to the pastor, the altars are open. I don't believe that a preacher have to tell you the altars are open. Believe you me, overseas, people come to the altar even while sometimes you're preaching and you're closing in. These altars are open. If you want to spend two, three, five, ten minutes before the Lord, you can do that. Thank you very much for this opportunity, and may the Lord bless you. Thank you.